We lost you. Shit. You there? There we go. We're just cold open with some internet problems. We haven't uh, done that yet. That's something different. There you go. Like, <laughs> and, it, and it was perfect because right when the punchline happened, that's when we cut out. <laughs> so that way Nick's just like, ha, honey, uh, uh, and, and, and waiting for some sort of reaction. But he got nothing. He got nothing because we didn't hear shit. You we got stone-faced and no laughs, no claps. And then, of course, Nick's like, well, I'm really glad I killed that fucking joke yeah, on a podcast because yeah. <laughs> it's obviously not funny. So thank God I destroyed that fucking joke. The, the punchline is Spectrum Internet. That sucks. That's the real punchline. <laughs> yeah, because Nixon is like, oh, I'm in my Louis C.K. phase where I kill my jokes and rewrite new brilliant material, <laughs> and then I'm about 10 years away from uh, everybody calling me uh, the, the worst human being ever, but I got about a five-year stretch where everybody calls me a fucking genius, so <laughs> if you're curious where Nick, Ro- <laughs> Nick Robinson... Oh, God. <laughs> starting off strong, starting off smooth. I'm protecting your name, Nick Alexander. Thank like you. <laughs> you mean Olesa, goddammit. <laughs> All right, uh, welcome to this episode of Tim Bell Pod. I am Nick Olesa. And you know, they say all podcast hosts are created equal. But you take a look at Man Scout Jake Manning, and you take a look at Michael Loving, and you can see that statement is not true. See, normally when you do a podcast with a wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance at hosting. But Jake's a camping freak, and he's not normal. So Mike has got a 25% chance at best at host him. (laughs) And then you add me to the mix, and your chances of hosting drastic go down. You see, as three members of Tim Bell Pod, you got a 33rd and one-third chance of hosting. But Jake, Jake has a 66 and two-thirds chance of hosting, because I know I can't out-wrestling knowledge Jake, and I'm not even going to try. <laughs> so, Micah, you take your 33rd and one-third chance, minus Jake's 25% chance. you got an eight and uh-huh. one-third chance of hosting. And then you take Jake's 75% chance of hosting, if you were to go one-on-one, <laughs> And then add 66 two-thirds ch- percents. Jake's got a 141 to two-thirds chance of hosting this episode. Senor Micah, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you this episode. Oh, Largest arms in the world. <laughs> God damn it, son. Jake loved that bit. Jake's a big Shoney's fan, so he just loves Scott Steiner promos. Also, Scott Steiner, big fan of Cracker Barrel, too. Uh, unless they give him small chicken breasts. Uh, uh, when you get the like the chicken tenders, uh, like like Scott Steiner is the only human being that I've ever known gone to the Cracker Barrel, gotten the six grilled chicken tenders, and then when they brought them out, he's like, "These are too small, give me more." And the Cracker Barrel's like, "Certainly, sir." Like that's the only person <laughs> that's all you gotta he gotta do. <laughs> I didn't realize that was an option in reality where you could be like, "Hey, this is bullshit. Give me more chicken," and they're like. Okay. And they bring them out. Like, it's almost like Cracker Barrel was like, yeah, we know we're fucking you over with these grilled chicken tenders that are like the size of fucking double A batteries. And we brought you six of them. Like, there you go. Like, it doesn't even add up to a chicken thigh whatsoever. And it's, yeah. I mean, we got to put in the Scott Steiner factor. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, Scott Steiner's yelling at you. You're in trouble. What the fuck is this? Hey, no chicken. Give me more. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Micah's magic prediction for this time by the. The time you hear this podcast when it's released, Israel Adesanya will have beaten, uh, I want to say TKO in the fourth, but I'm going to say decision at UFC 248. We're talking about certain person that might have done some MMA. So I got Israel Adesanya beating Yoel Romero, who's a beast in his own right, but Israel's pretty damn awesome. All right, before we get into the story of uh, this Nazi Forrest Gump, if you were like, wow, this podcast did an episode on my favorite wrestler and all-around best friend and hero, Ludwig Borga, uh, this is a good time to get out. 
Sorry, but you mean Ludwig Borga, the wrestler of the 90s? <laughs> yes, I do. What quote was that, Nick? Who said was that? It, was it Heenan? It was Heenan. You are yeah. very good at your job. <laughs> Listen, it's not fucking wrong. I mean, <laughs> freaking badass MMA guy, blonde with fucking black gloves on. I mean, to, where are we at right now? The zeitgeist of the 90s. He kind of, yeah. You, you, you put him next to fucking Brock Lesnar. Dude, you tell it's me, freaky. You, it's freaky. You, they, they were not fucking wrong. They were not fucking wrong. It's. I mean, you bring up that point. Me and Nick were going to get into it eventually, but I mean... His New Japan era, Brock stole his shit. Brock stole his whole look. <laughs> Not fucking wrong, my friends. All right. Tony Christian Helm was an author, pro wrestler, MMA fighter, actor, musician, politician, SS tattooed xenophobic douchebag, born in Helsinki, Finland, January 6, 1963. Well, I would just like to say, Nick Alexander. You and all the stupid American listening to this podcast who only speak one language. I would just like to say, USA stand for you stink a lot. That's what I would like to say to you, Mr. Alexander. Helm was very athletic from a young age, heavy into sports, specifically powerlifting, as his brothers were on the Finnish national team. As a young man, Tony joined the Finnish military, which makes sense because Finland sided with Germany in World War II. And apparently, uh, Holm, are we going with, are we, Holm, um, apparently he was also in his younger days, uh, was the bully that, uh, his friends like, Hey, beat up those kids. Holm was like, okay, I beat up people. I beat them up. Good. The, also, you say finish. I just keep thinking of finish as in finish a race I type know, situation. I know. It's gonna so be every tough. time they're like the Finnish national team, like oh they finish, they're, they're, they're good at finishing. <laughs> this team is really good at finishing. Aren't but all, aren't all national championship teams good at finishing? Like, I'm gonna say uh, Finlandian. Let's do that. I couldn't find the exact connection or dates, but around '89, Tony Blitzkrieged his white ass over to America, where he was trained by Vern Gagne. Any clue how this came about? God, I, uh, I didn't find anything of how this happened. This could have happened. Listen, listen to me now. If we're gonna <laughs> listen to me now, listen to me now. Okay, Vern obviously had kind of a connection with European area, like Otto Vons. Was, was yeah, a, yeah. A, a a AAU champion? So I am so burnt right now. I've I've called my my best friend by the wrong last name already in this episode, and I refer to AWA. As you had AAU. that anger peak, and now you're. Oh yeah, I'm I, this. I'm on the come down. Like I should, and I've got it all reversed. Like uh, Chris Cannon, I should have been more subdued and, and been more somber. Somber, where I should have been like just irate and over the top Vince McMahon promos throughout this one, but um, but. No, I think Vern had that connection with Otto Vons. Otto Vons ran like tournament style wrestling promotions, and a lot of them, I believe, like in the German Germany, Deutschland area. Uh, you call it, but call my home <laughs> no, man. I know. Call my homeland, correct? I was laughing at your smart. But so he's got a little bit of that connection. So it could have been through that, like, hey, here's this, you know, finish finished product i have this finished product for you Vern. you should check this guy out and, and bring him over and it, there's always these weird connections with these international brutes monsters yeah. you look at vladimir kozlov which is actually from what i understand vladimir kozlov is the reason why jerry jarrett and jeff jarrett i think have even still continue not to talk to each other because jerry jarrett presented vladimir kozlov to vince mcmahon like here you should you should have this guy 
in your wrestling promotion. And Jeff's like, motherfucker, you know I run a wrestling promotion. Matter of fact, we were business partners out <laughs> there. Um, why are you giving this guy yeah, off to well, him? You know, like, if you think this guy's money, why are you giving off to him? So fuck you, Dad. But there's always these... It's almost like when people have this connection or they have these international monster guys, it's like, oh, I want to learn how to be a wrestler. And then they're like, well, let's go find the most ancient behind the times <laughs> professional wrestler possible. Now it's not like Google or look up what, what, what all the kids and where everybody's going specifically, like this generation is going. No, let's go back. I've heard a story in a magazine from like 20 years ago. Is about Ed Vern. the Strangler Lewis still alive? Yeah, I heard, I heard uh, George Hackenschmidt used to train people back then. He's George old George Hackey around like where's Ed Capontier I he he brought over Andre the Giant where's he at oh oh he died 34 years ago shit All right, well, <laughs> what, what are the kids they're on the Vern Gagne right they're on the Vern Gagne right now he's a, he's the hot thing right now MTV but, and the Vern Gagne yeah I think that's probably how that happened but I, I, I would imagine that makes sense I can geographically it'd be an Otto Vons type connection through somebody through somebody so yeah that's a good guess dude I like it after getting trained, the 6'3", 300-pounder would make his debut for Herb Abrams Universal Wrestling Federation October of 1990 as The Viking. He actually looked badass with a cool horned helmet, a cape, and a little little Thor hammer. The promo that's on YouTube, he looks like he's straight out of a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers audition tape. Yes, you'll know who I am. I don't need no introductions. I don't have to tell my name. And the whole time you're like... Yeah, you do, because I don't know who the fuck you are. <laughs> That's the absolute fucking worst. That's like... I teach a promo. Oh, that, that promo type I, Yeah, I fucking... Yeah. I teach a promo class, so sometimes when we get a new student in, I'll break it down. I have a, I have a structure <laughs> yeah. for an introductory promo, and I will review it, especially if there's a new student, and I'll look right at them, and like, <laughs> this is how you do it, and here's some of the things you might want to avoid, and here's an example of how you go... I will take their goddamn hand... <laughs> lead them through how to cut a fucking promo and then they turn around and cut bullshit like this you don't you i don't need to introduce myself my reputation speak for itself and tell me goddamn fucking nothing (laughs) and of course herb abrams is like yeah bring that guy out that's great that's a great promo that's a great promo right it's called mystery it's not mystery leave him with questions (laughs) much like me herb abrams death there's so many questions where i'm covered in a vaseline like substance with cocaine (laughs) stuck on me all these questions Questions whether or not these women I'm with are escorts or, or friends of mine or, or other people's wives. I'm going to leave all these questions. I don't even get those references, but I'm really fucking intrigued now. Look up her Abrams' <laughs> death. It's pretty fucking entertaining. Oh, his death. Okay, I think his I, death. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I want to go out the same exact way. <laughs> Covered yeah. in a Vaseline-like substance with cocaine stuck to me, handcuffed in the back of a police car. It, That's how it, I want to die. It kind of sounds like a Jean-Claude Van Damme incident, but we'll get to him later in the episode. Yeah, but see, that Van Damme's such a tough guy, he survives. Yeah, it's true. So. The Viking had his first match squashing the Patriot, not that Patriot for WWF and stuff. He ended yeah. it with a press slam into the ropes, a big elbow, and a one-finger cover. Got that stretcher treatment. They came out and hauled him out on a stretcher because he's just that badass. Tony wouldn't hang out in UWF for very long. On October 25th, 1990, he made his debut for New Japan, defeating the Soul Taker in a boxer versus wrestling match. Soul Taker. <laughs> the Soul Taker, Jake. Put some respect on whoever the fuck that is. I, I am, I'm fighting to not tell this story. You can't tease and not... <laughs> 
because I run five dollar wrestling. Yeah. Anytime there's a unique wrestler, people are always like, You need to check this guy out. And one guy that's always been on my radar and always been recommended to me, but because he lives in the Northeast, and that's another thing people do, like, oh, you know, like I run five dollars, you need to get this guy, and then they'll send me a link, and I'm like, all right, you sent me a YouTube link, how can I get in touch with this guy? I don't know. And try uh, leaving a comment on his YouTube, yeah, <laughs> and, but it's not even like his YouTube page, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, do you know who this guy is? And, and then if I usually that's what I follow, but you know who this guy is and. Sometimes they'll send me a Facebook profile, and then I look it up, and this guy is in Ridgeway, New Jersey. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to pay him enough to get down here from Ridgeway, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and nor am I going to be a, a big enough piece of shit to tell somebody to come out to Ridgeway, New Jersey for what I pay some of these $5 wrestling guys. Because I have to keep tickets low. Regardless, one of those people that get recommended to me from time to time, and it's happened a couple of times, is I've had somebody go, you need to check out this guy who calls himself the N-word taker. What? Which, <laughs> what? <laughs> not hard R, uh, big A. Uh, and obviously, oh, wait, wait, wait. So it actually is using it. His, his name's not literally the N-word taker. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not the N-word taker. <laughs> I really yeah. wanted that to be his name. <laughs> no, he, he he's like, that's who I am. He, okay. Here, white ring announcer, I need you to announce me as the N-word taker. Wow. So let's be clear, he is black. Yeah. Okay. I, hey, in this day and age, I never know what people are trying. Yeah, it'd be really. Nice I mean, to I mean, dude. you know. And he was the N word taker. So uh, somebody was talking about that and how ridiculous it, and everybody thought he retired and disappeared. And then somebody was like, "Nope, he's still been wrestling and he's still a thing." And like that got passed around. And yeah, the N word taker is wow. still alive and wow. well out there wrestling. And, hey, man. Um, I don't know what to say. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's a uh, that, that's a thing. That's so when I saw Soul Taker, it just made me think. I don't know why. I don't. Know why, uh, I see Soul Taker. You think I should think all kinds of different things? But I no. My I think the N word Taker. No, I totally understand why you thought of that immediately. So New Japan was not fucking around with Tony. He was immediately beating the likes of Shinya Hashimoto, Bam Bam Bigelow, Masa Saito, and Vader. Which, if you don't know, beating Vader in New Japan in the early '90s was like beating John Cena in 2011. Oh fuck that! Beating Hashimoto is a big fucking Hashimoto deal. Hashimoto was a big deal, man. Yeah, like of of those guys, like him, Chono, and Muda. Like it's that three. They're they're the goddamn fucking triad. <laughs> Nobody can scream "Shut the fuck up." to a Japanese crowd quite like Tony Hom. He cusses so much and is like, eh, you like this? Shut the fuck up. Jake, I wanted to ask you, Ludwig Borga and Vader in the same ring together, is this your favorite match of all time? This reminds me of the one request that George South has given me. <laughs> George South, who he asked one thing of me, because I know what's going to happen when George South, the untimely day, happens when we have to do a 10 bell pot episode on him and he passes away. And once that happens, everybody and their brother is going to be running George South Memorial shows. And if there is a George South Memorial show that's run with me and George Jr., everybody and their brother is going to come out of the woodwork and they're going to wrestle in the show and they're going to want to pay off and they're going to want to do all this. And it's somebody that George never liked when he was alive. And I got one request is, is George told me that when, if, and when there's a George South Memorial show, Book of Battle Royal. Everybody that comes out of the woodwork and says they know George and he's traveled with Stav and all those people that just come out of the woodwork and just looking for a payoff and look at that. Put them all in a battle royal. Get all of those wrestlers in a big, big, big battle royal. (laughs) 
and then blow up the fucking wrestling ring. Blow it up. With explosives? With explosives. <laughs> Killing all of them. I have one request. And if they you were, have mass murder, it's that and dig up all the mason jars in his backyard. Also save his museum from his son, who is just going to put it in a closet. Uh, I have a long list of things. That I happened. didn't think I was going to make an Oklahoma City reference in this episode, but here we are. <laughs> no, I I have a long list of things that I have to do as soon as I find out George is dead, and it is quite a very interesting. It's it's more of a it's a weirder request than a Brewster's Million situation going on. Oh my, I just rewatched that recently. Yeah. So uh, if the same thing happened to Vader and uh, Ludwig Borga being in the ring, you know. But at the same time, too, we've done an episode on both of them now, so somebody already beat me to the punch. (laughs) I would just like to point out that uh, Jake thinks that this podcast is going to outlive George South. I don't know what that means, but there's something. I don't know. (laughs) And uh, I would just like to point out that Hom beats Vader Vader misses a big butt splash, and then Holm just rolls him up for an easy one, two, three. They they still couldn't, you know, have him brute strength beat his ass. Because it's Vader. It's the greatest big man of all time. I mean, you know. <laughs> triggered. Triggered. <laughs> triggered. It's like, Jake has Vader. I have Missy Hyatt. And Nick has, what, Sable? Is Sable still yeah, your Sable, number one, you yeah, think? Yeah, fuck her, man. <laughs> Even though Tony was getting an epic push, he wasn't quite getting over it with the crowd, and his almost one-year career undefeated streak would come to an end September 23rd, 1991, when he was beaten by Shinya Hashimoto. Damn straight. Probably kicked his goddamn fucking head off, because that's what (laughs) Hashimoto did to motherfuckers. (laughs) But was Hashimoto on an episode of Boy Meets World? So who's really over, Jake? Who's really over? Fucking should have been, would have been, and if could have been, would have been amazing. Throughout 1992, Tony would start taking some L's in singles and various tag team combinations. However, he wasn't just getting jobbed out. He was still picking up wins, and on November 22nd, 92, this racist Duke Nukem and Scott Norton won the (laughs) IWGP Tag Team Championship from the Steiner Brothers. I've got more about Duke Nukem than <laughs> Can we talk about Wolfenstein for five minutes? Nah, fucking Duke Nukem. Let's see, the Duke Nukem you're thinking of is like it had the the, the cooler fucking graphics. I'm the like BFG. A, or I no, wait, was that Doom? That was Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're, there was a Duke Nukem that was similar to that, but the Duke Nukem that I'm thinking of is like a, like a PC game. Oh, I, I, yeah, I remember it. It's, God, I forget. There's so many like that. Oh, it was so fucking awesome. They'd hold the belts for about a month, losing them December 14th to the Hellraisers, Hawk Warrior and Power Warrior. Jake, what in the actual fuck is Power Warrior? Fucking Power Warrior is uh, Kenzuke Sasaki. Damn straight. And fucking, it was badass as fuck. They look cool as shit. God damn right they did. <laughs> and they came out to the, I, I believe, Ozzy Osbourne's version of Hellraiser. Oh, yeah. Hellraisers. <laughs> Hellraisers. <laughs> like, allowed over a fucking Japanese dome show. Badass as fuck. And who better to fill in for Animal than than Kenzuki Sasaki. I mean, like he short, straight. stocky, mm-hmm. wicked fucking power slam, did everything you want, animals out because of the Lloyds of Lon- London thing. And I'm surprised we didn't see it more in the US, if at all in the US. I don't think they they did it in America for whatever reason. I, I think it was mostly just in Japan, but what a way for Hawk to continue to fucking make money while animals out collecting the Lloyds of London thing and 
badass. So put some goddamn fucking respect on the Power Warrior. <laughs> Dude, his match against Kobashi and Noah, I think, like, late 2000 aughts, whatever the fuck that's supposed to be. Oh, man, best chopping battle ever. Yeah, fucking badass fucking dude. Also, too, his tag with Hiroshi Hase, all mm. the matches they had with the Steiner brothers, yep. pretty fucking badass, too. Yep. Like, yeah, fucking right up there, my friend. I would just like to bleed off of the Hellraisers thing. And for one of the, looking at Holm's matches, his tag matches were like Mad Libs. Like, okay, here, Holm and Bobby Eaton versus the Hellraisers. We got Holm versus Super Mullet Perry Saturn versus Great Muda and Chono. And we got Holm and Barbarian versus Earthquake and King Haku. And I'm saving this one for Jake. We got the Great Muda and Hase versus Holm and Brad fucking Armstrong. Yeah, and you see the equation is great fucking wrestlers with this fucking turd of shit. <laughs> it's so fucking true. It's true. It, when I was watching, I was like, okay, they got the dude to go in there and do some mat wrestling with the guys that can. They got the dude to bump in there, and he tag it home, and he does his body punch shit, and then he hits a couple power slams, and then they get the other dude to take the job. But not just the other dude. One no. of the best fucking wrestlers yeah, of all yeah. time. Believe let's, me. Let's get Brad Armstrong. Oh, yeah, let's yeah, get yeah. Bobby Eaton. I'm an asshole for saying even, another dude. <laughs> even even Perry Saturn, like oh, another Perry, dude. Perry was amazing. Yeah, like even even Perry, like just like guy who's fucking incredible. Let's get him in the fucking ring. Like you couldn't just put like an average. You couldn't just put Alex Wright out there. You know what I'm saying? You couldn't. Aww. I mean, you had to have so you had to have somebody who is next level it could put terry taylor out there you have to have next <laughs> right, level I, I like that one you you can't you gotta have next level fucking exceptional fucking talent in bobby Eaton and brad armstrong out there <laughs> behind the scenes tony started having problems with his own tag team partner scott norton and rumor has it that tony ko'd norton though most say it was a sucker punch this is shocking to me because I, if I still have a, a little bit of Mark left in me, I believe all tag team partners are best friends behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, it does break your heart. Following the incident, New Japan sided with Norton, and from there, Tony would get his official D push, losing tons of matches until he left the promotion June 1993. 93 was also the year that Borga would be on the first season of the Finnish TV show Gladiator It, uh, which was just the Finnish <laughs> version of American Gladiators. He did 19 episodes. The best part was uh, all these were directed by Rennie Harlan, which for a movie geek, people might. He did Die Hard 2, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Deep Blue Sea, all good, good trash. And this aired on the MTV3 channel, which I was like, whoa, that's weird, but apparently it's Manos TV. And my favorite thing of all the research on this stupid show is the following quote Two people became famous from the show with. Tony Halme, who played the Viking, who had become a member of the Parliament, and Verpe Butt, who played Gladiator Diamond, who committed a murder in 2003. That was it. Jesus. <laughs> we'll get there on Ludwig Borga. So now, an unemployed, violent, racist, can't wrestle for shit shoot fighter, it was only a matter of time before Vince McMahon would swoop in and say, Did somebody say shoot fighter? At a WWF Superstars taping July 16, 1993, Ludwig Borga would begin his WWF main event climb by squashing Tony DeMauro. Ludwig Borga, the former powerlifting champion, former boxing champion, member of the Finnish Special Forces, and did you know they only recruit 17 in the country per the whole year? And did you know that his attire looks like a Vera Bradley pocketbook design that my, my mom had in the late 90s? Because I do. I can just picture like Vince McMahon just going nuts over Borg. Like, oh, look at all that. Oh, look at those goddamn arms, and he's blonde, too. Oh, God damn it. Which is funny. I've heard stories about Vince McMahon 
when Jinder Mahal came back and he was like all vascular and jacked to the fucking gills, <laughs> like Vince would sit in Gorilla and I'd hear from like other wrestlers that'd be like waiting to go out or they have the next segment after Jinder and like they would hear just Vince like in the middle of a fucking <laughs> live broadcast on national, the USA network and Vince would just be on headset just going, oh god damn, look at Jinder. <laughs> Jinder Mahal looks fucking good. God damn, look at him. Look how fucking vascular he is. Oh my god. So I can only imagine what Vince would have saw. Like, look at those goddamn arms. Oh. Those fucking big, muscular, goddamn fucking arms. I'll probably racist as fuck, too. Wrap your racist arms around me. My finish gladiator da. And me. Those shoot fighting gloves. I fucking love the fuck out of that. Oh, goddamn. We, we, we can't. We can't, we, cover up, can't cover up your nipples. We gotta give you some sort of singlet. See, see uh, that peck meat right there. That's what I'm talking about right there. Pull me into your bosom. Pull me into your bosom. Remind me when I was a little child. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> I was going for a nursing sound effect, just so everyone knows. So, uh, Ludenborga would be armed with a series of vignettes, walking around in jorts and trashing the social fabric <laughs> of America, and honestly making some good points. Uh, we don't care about the environment, our infrastructure is failing, and the Lex Express sucked. It's not just, hey, America, you're stupid and you suck. He doesn't attack the country, he attacks the people... As he says, the European settlers who took the country and then wasted the country. It's like he's mad at the people for wasted, squandering this great potential. It, it, for that time, just it's kind of a refreshing, somewhat imaginative take. But yeah, uh, these vignettes are so good. It's just, uh, oh, you only speak one language. The American dream, blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's my favorite line. Sorry. He's looking at a river with trash everywhere. And he says, look at this filth. You call this the land of milk and honey? Well, down here it smells funny. <laughs> and then he goes on another rant. And it's like, did he just try to do like a rhyming poem in the middle of his promo? And yeah, everybody accusing everyone of being on welfare is just that they are so much fun because he really is. He's committing. He doesn't feel like he's playing a character. He is Ludwig fucking Borga. And I'm pretty sure after he made that line that you're talking about, he was like, all right, my name is Nick Alexander. Everybody have a good night. I got off stage. So with a sight set on taking out Lex Luger and America in general, PWI's 145th ranked wrestler ran through a series of job guys and Virgil on the way to 1993's yeah. SummerSlam. There, Ludwig Borga would take on Marty Jannetty. Go watch his jobber matches. He kills jobbers. He clotheslines them onto their neck, onto their head. It is fucking disgusting, but it's also very entertaining. Well, and also, too, I message George South as I always do for every episode and I thought he'd have some sort of Ludwig Borga yeah. story because this is a kind of it's kind of still in the wheelhouse he's doing jobs and uh, at that time or would have heard something and George's like got nothing <laughs> Damn it. so like not even like a thing like oh we were trying to avoid him or anything right. like that so which leads me to believe that George actually wrestled Ludwig Borga I and mean, he doesn't remember it because he's got <laughs> the shit beat out of him well that's uh, one of my favorite details I found watching all these jobber matches to give you an idea, Ludwig worked so hard that he headbutts a jobber named Sonny Rogers 
that bust Ludwig open the hard way because he headbutted him so damn hard in a two-minute squash match. Sonny Rogers is the Chicago version of George South. He trained a lot of guys. I think he even had a hand in Windy City Wrestling. Sonny Rogers is a Chicago legend, my friend. So put a little bit of respect on Sonny Rogers. I, I'm really impressed, but that was very yeah. impressive, Jake. Yeah, Sonny Rogers, <laughs> kind of the, the Chicago version of George South. No, uh, he gets a lot of respect because he didn't get busted open. Stupid-ass Ludwig busted himself open. Exactly. <laughs> At SummerSlam, Marty uh, sells his ass off while Vince and Bobby Heenan put Ludwig over on commentary. Borga would submit Marty with the lamest version of the torture rack ever, but he wasn't done for the night. Later, after Lex Luger super didn't win the WWF title by beating Yoko by countout, Ludwig would storm into the face locker room and tell Lex that he was not impressed by his performance. Good GSP there. GSP. Yeah, and and and, and everybody and and who saw that paper was like, yeah, we weren't impressed. You didn't fucking win the belt. You didn't win the belt. You didn't win the belt. You win the belt. No, you didn't win the belt. Oh okay. god. Well then, what the fuck did you do? But confetti. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Steiner Brothers. The there, shoulders. There, there's a there, there's a they did those head to head promos at one point, and it's a couple months later. But it's uh Luger talks about like, yeah, at SummerSlam I won, and Luger really has that moment where he's like the fuck are you talking about you didn't win anything you new spinning dumb fuck and it's just great for he's just like you didn't do anything quit being an american and pretending everything's a win and how fucked up is 1993 wwf where like you know how bad lex is there's nobody there's nobody in that locker room there's nobody that wears a suit there's nobody that is walking around with a roll of pieces of paper in the back that has any illusions of Lex Luger yeah. being a good fucking wrestler, a wrestler that could pull something out of a wrestler, quote unquote, like Ludwig Borga. Mm-hmm. But you're like, ah, we're going to book this and make this happen. <laughs> I don't fucking know what the fuck they thought. I, I don't know how that fucking happened. Like, like I get, get Tatanka. Tatanka, good hand in the ring. Yeah. That, that, that all fucking tracks. Fuck, Virgil is a better fucking choice to get in a fucking program with than Lex fucking Luger, who has been carried through his entire career. That is the perception of Lex Luger. The only reason he, Lex Luger was Lex Luger because he rushed Ric Flair. Yeah. That's what you know. That's what Lex's re- reputation was at this exact moment. This fucking right here. He's not known as a guy who's like, you know who could really get the best out of Ludwig Borga? Lex Luger. <laughs> that's fucking, that, I don't know. Who? I, I want to meet the man. I want to meet the man who had that fucking idea. And and thought that was a good idea because even in, in Vince McMahon in his jacking off to fucking muscles <laughs> that, that, that he is the Taurus for not even in his literal wet dream could she have thought that that was going to be a good fucking idea counterpoint USA versus a foreigner that's it. That's literally it, right? You got Yokozuna right there. You're already in the middle of this. Uh, no. I mean, but that's literally the only. You, like reason, I said, you go, right? you go but Luva with, with the Tonga, which we get to. Mm. But like, if that's where we want to get to in the end, like, what are we thinking? Like a WrestleMania, Lex Luger versus Ludwig Borga? Oh yeah. Oh god damn. That's, oh, that's another a ladder one. match. Oh god. Oh, yeah, put them on the ladder match. Give them. Let them. If they want to take an extra 10, 20 minutes, that'd be, that'd be good too. Oh, that's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> that's what Daddy likes. Vince, your pants. God damn it! I know where my pants are. I know they're on my ankles. Why don't you ask me where my hands are right now, pal? Ask me where my goddamn hands are. I'm not. Oh, ask me where my goddamn hands are. Uh, another important summer slam. <laughs> Hold on, Jake needs a minute to just... no, go, go, okay. Go, go. 
So another important SummerSlam note, during the Janetti match, they tease a future matchup between the undefeated Tatanka and the undefeated Borga. And on the October 30th, 1993 edition of Superstars, the two streaks would meet. Honestly, saying it out loud, it feels like Borga versus Tatanka with his whole angle of like, you know, you wasted this country, you moved in and did all this bullshit. He should be like siding with Tatanka. Like, oh, these morons took this continent from you. Why is he fighting him? They should be a tag team. It makes so much sense to me now. Yeah, right? Tatanka should be his Bobby Eaton. Uh, like, should be he'd bump around right? with him. Like, like fuck Tatanka and uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah. Like, it should have been Ludwig Borga and Tatanka. You yeah. turn Tatanka heel, and uh, you got two undefeated massive heels. Uh, I mean, you know. Yeah. I'm not the best booker, but I think that sounds good. Sounds a lot better than booking him against Lex Luger. <laughs> not that much. Um, yeah, I, I've always heard that Borgo was Tataka's first loss, and I never actually watched the match till a couple weeks ago. But hey, I was like, oh, it's it's dirty, which I guess you know helps Tataka. But he just hits him in the back with a chair, rolls him in. That's it. But it, it's not even. It's on free TV, not a pay per view, not even Raw. It's just on Superstars or some shit. With building up of these two massive undefeated foes. After yet another white nationalist took something from a Native American, Ludwig would join up with the foreign fanatics leading into Survivor Series. Before the main event, Jim Cornette cuts a 100 out of 10 promo. It's really good. Then Yoko, Quebecer Jock, Crush, and Borga would face the All-Americans, Lex Luger, the Steiner Brothers, and The Undertaker. Yeah, there was apparently a lot of, like subs and people getting hurt and throwing Undertaker in and all the I don't, the Wikipedia entry on this match for what it was originally going to be is long as shit. Ludwig would get himself an elimination, taking out Rick Steiner, and would last the entire match, surviving to the final two with Lex Luger. Borga dominates Luger for quite a while. They have one of the worst reversals of an Irish whip in wrestling history. But in the end, face Lex Luger hits Ludwig with his metal forearm, one, two, three, and this is the first time we'd see Ludwig get pinned on TV. And Nick, who does Lex Luger celebrate in the ring with after the match? That <laughs> Santa Claus comes out, and it reminded me <laughs> it reminded me of that time The Rock came out that tried to put over Roman Reigns. It's like, hey, we all like Santa, right? <laughs> if you celebrate with Santa, you'll be over now, Lex. <laughs> Santa's giving that look to the rock game, like, oh, I don't know, fella. I don't know if I want to touch you. Hey, you like money and pizza? Well, here's money and pizza to come out. <laughs> so on a December 20th, 93 episode of Raw, Tatanka would get a little paid back, getting a DQ win over Ludwig. Also around this time, he has a match with Scott Steiner, singles match on Raw, which might be Borga's best WWF match if I had to pick. It's back and forth, obviously power moves, but you know, Scotty knows how to work, and it's pretty it's pretty fun. The dueling promo before the match is good. It's it, it's, it's as best as Borga's going to see in WWF, I think, so there's that. Then at a house show, December 14th, 93, Borga beat Razor Ramon for the Intercontinental title, but the decision was reversed because Shawn Michaels had uh, hit Razor with a fake title belt. But Shawn did not have the fake title. Uh, he had the real title because he never lost the title, guys. <laughs> Just to remind you. You're being an awful defensive for something we didn't bring up at all, Jake. <laughs> I'm just saying, he, Sean did not hit him with a fake title. He hit him with his actual intercontinental belt, which he never lost. They stripped him of it because he didn't defend it in 30 days. So um, <laughs> he never lost. He was still so a champion. Us. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Even though this is click-on-click -click violence, I'm still taking Sean. <laughs> 
So Borga wasn't exactly getting over as the monster heel they envisioned. It turns out the monster heel that he was was in the locker room. Yeah. And then especially when they saw the Nazi tattoo, like, oh, this is a different monster than we thought. Does nobody have respect for method acting anymore? <laughs> Fuck. We give De Niro all this credit, but nah, Ludwig Borga is a Nazi and tries to be a real foreigner. <laughs> We're suddenly mad at him. And I like all the stories when people like talk about Borga and they talk about like this tattoo of like what is it SS or Schutzstaffel the SS tattoo. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's got that and like I like how the WWS like hey maybe you cover that up not even like hey maybe we shouldn't maybe. have a Nazi like ah, uh. nah, let's cover that up He's got an SS tattoo. SummerSlam tattoo. Oh. <laughs> there? Exactly, yeah. Vince would have no idea about the Holocaust ever happening. <laughs> yeah, the, that sounds like Vince McMahon being so lost in the box. What are you talking about the Holocaust? What are you talking about? He's supportive of our summer pay-per-views. Who the hell is Hitler? <laughs> I like how Nick was worried that it wasn't going to go an hour. Like, uh, <laughs> like who know if this is going to go an hour? Oh, nobody. We, we always find a way. We are finding a way. We are life finds a way. So the final blow to Borga's WWF run would be on January 17, 1994, when Ludwig injured his ankle in a match with Rick Steiner. The injury caused WWF to scrap Borga's plans for the Rumble and WrestleMania. Uh, I think it. I think it was Pritchard that said once he got injured, WWF kind of used it as a reason to like push him out of the locker room. Like, <laughs> get yeah. out of here. And the single matches he was supposed to have for a Royal Rumble, he was finally have a blow-off match with Tatanka. And then there was apparently a rumor scheduled match of him versus Earthquake at WrestleMania. How excited was Tatanka when he found out that <laughs> Borg was not going to be around? Like, Tatanka would be like, yes, thank fucking God we're not going to blow off this feud. Thank he's, you so much. He's like, Rick Steiner, can I buy you a meal? Yeah. <laughs> So just as quickly as he came, he was gone. And from there, Tony would try his hand at boxing and MMA. Now, Jake Manning is an encyclopedia when it comes to pro wrestling and Baywatch. My knowledge and John Mayer's discography is untouchable. But Micah J. Loving is Tim Bell's resident expert on MMA. First off, I just want to say that his MMA record is 0-4. and four. Um... <laughs> I mean, you know, he went out there and did it. I'm not shitting on him. Uh, three of his defeats were in a promotion called Rings, which was uh, we talked about in our uh, MMA gimmicks, Patreon, whatever the hell that was called. But his big fight came at UFC 13. Now, UFC 13 is a time... I'm not, not going to be a total expert here, but I think it's still around the time... You couldn't fish hook. I think even UFC 1, you couldn't fish hook. You could eye gouge. You could punch him in the balls, which if you look up just UFC, there's a shot of uh, Joson, uh, who is kind of a legendary shitty MMA fighter, just repeatedly getting punched in the dick. And it was all <laughs> legal back then. UFC 13, it kind of evolved a little bit, because I think this has already gotten the, the John McCain days of the human cockfighting and all that, so they implemented some stuff, but it was still pretty wide open. Um, I found an article leading up to Ludwig's match with Randy Couture is who he faces, which uh, I think I need to read just because it kind of gives an idea of Ludwig's mind frame and how he treated this, which at the time, it was a tough man competition. They happened at your local armory. So the day before the fight, this is an excerpt from an article from, uh, fuck, I didn't write it down, but I, I actually paid 99 cents to get this article. <laughs> Patreon, thank you very much. So off we go to Gold's Gym. Tony's cranking out 600 pound plus squats 
Always a good idea the day before an MMA fight, and up comes a young girl. She addresses Tony, Ain't you Ludwig Borga? So Tony and his new girlfriend exchange pleasantries. He does a few more heavy squats, and it's off to Applebee's for lunch. After polishing off a giant slab of ribs, Tony opts for the double hot fudge sundae. I questioned him about his dietetic choice just the day before his UFC debut. And the answer comes, I have been dieting very hard. Now it's time to eat for energy. So Tony was taking this, you know, as most dudes would back then. The early UFC days are fun as shit. They mispronounce the hell out of everything. They call him Tony Halaba. Uh, he's the heavyweight boxing champion of Finland. And uh, I'm sorry, but I'm going to recite Tony's MMA promo that he does before the Couture fight, but I just want to say that Nick and Jake, you have to cut an MMA promo of yourself after I do mine. When I get to the octagon and the referee say, let's get it on, I get there to kill or be killed. First, I try to hit him as hard as I can. If I miss that one, I try to headbutt him. If I miss that one, I rip his arms off and then his legs off. Ah! <laughs> that's a, please tell me that's part of the opening. Typical start to a man scout promo. So I've had three MMA fights this week. I've done six open mics. <laughs> and now you're putting a camera in my face and you want me to sell this match when we're already on fucking pay-per-view. <laughs> Is that what you want? You want me to fucking talk about this goddamn shit? You don't even have Joe Rogan come over here and talk to me. You got you, you got this B-level ESPN interviewer talking to me you, you want to know how i feel about all this i feel fucking tired i want to go home <laughs> jake would later go on to win the fight in five seconds with an immediate knockout punch i would just be like you know what the other guy has more twitter followers so i'm gonna fight him and beat him in the scorecard but you're just gonna give him the win anyways because this is ufc all right, just kind of show off my shit. Uh, Joe Rogan, UFC 13 was his second appearance. UFC 12 was his first appearance, and he actually interviews Randy Couture. All right, they actually reference uh, that Ludwig used to be a WWF wrestler, and my favorite whoa moment was, we all know that WWF isn't a real competition, and they're just blowing kayfabe out of the water and exposing the business. Um, to give you like UFC, we keep it keep very tight and underground, and we don't let that secret get out at all. That's right, baby. I can, I, I can just picture Joe Rogan calling over, Randy, get over here and talk about how you beat up this fake-ass fucking wrestler who turns out to be a Nazi. <laughs> Which at the time, Rogan might have agreed with. All right, uh, just to give you an idea, uh, Tony uh, is billed as six foot four, 300 pounds. Shoot fighting was his style. Uh, 34-year-old Randy Couture, 225 pounds, six foot one, Greco-Roman wrestler, 33 years old. This is not only Ludwig's first MMA fight, this is Randy Couture's very first UFC fight and MMA fight. And if you don't know anything about Randy Couture... If you ever feel like, hey, I'm too old, I can't do anything, Randy Couture is a testament to what you can do at an older age when you just determined and you're a badass. Fucked up uh, one of the big money matches, Chuck and Tito, and delayed that a little bit longer just because he... Oh, those be, three. Yeah. They be, made Dana so much money. Yep. And then uh, I could just... Fucking Randy Couture. Like, it'd be amazing if he like walked over to Borga and we're like, you're the fucking job guy now, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I'd make every job guy wrestler in the world just fucking stand up and end. Like, uh, Borga, you're the fucking job guy now. Jake just did an impression of Jean-Claude Van Damme at the end of Death Warrant. All right, moving on. Uh, going on to the actual fight. I'm going to describe it and then I have a comment because it, it literally blew my mind. 
the match starts. Tony flies in like a madman and attempts to throw a right, which I'm not even going to count as an attempted punch. Couture, because he's a wrestler and because he's a smart man, immediately ducks under the punch and takes Tony down. He gets on top of him and hits some... He hits one ground-and-pound shot that is gorgeous. It is a shiner after the fight that I think put it on Borga. But uh, he hits a couple ground-and-pound shots. Borga rolls over because that's what you do when you're in that position. You don't have a lot of jiu-jitsu experience. I don't, it, does he even get the full choke in? I think it's more of a forearm choke, and Borga taps out in 56 seconds. Now, let me run through that again. Borga runs in, his opponent ducks under, takes him down, beats him up, and then chokes him out. If you watch CM Punk's very first UFC fight, this is a picture-perfect representation of the exact same fucking thing. CM Punk flies in, he throws a little bit more of a punch, but it's equally embarrassing. Mickey Gall ducks under it, takes him down, beats him up for three minutes, so he out he outlasts Borga, but then he chokes him out. I, I, I laughed so much, it was like, goddamn pro wrestlers, they just gotta charge in and try to win the fight right away, and then they just get fucked. Much like Jake Manning, like you said, his fucking promo, <laughs> he's gonna do. <laughs> All right, uh, despite what uh, Bobby Heenan said, he did not have 47 boxing matches with 43 KOs. He had 13 wins and six losses, 10 knockout wins and five knockout losses, and one knockout or one DQ loss, which makes sense for Borga. I, I did have a question for Jake. Have you, when, through your pro wrestling days, did you, or even now, do you ever train real stuff to try to implement it into your move set or skill set or how you look in the ring or anything? Oh, I was going to, like, when I, like, uh, Felt the Man Scout character wasn't getting over, and I was going to do something different, and I was going to be regular black trunks and kick pads and take up MMA and, yeah. and sort of like kind of do that and implement that, and because I figured that's where wrestling was going, and then I realized why do I want to be like everybody else? <laughs> so I'll keep putting on this Boy Scout outfit. Also, too, I hurt my knee, and I felt like it'd be best for me not to do actual real fights with the bum knee. So, <laughs> yep. A couple things I want to try to go through as quick as possible. Uh, Tony Hallmay versus Terriel Bitsade. I don't know. Just look up Terriel. I think it's a worked fight. I got Nick to watch this fight. It's basically Tony in boxing gloves, but the other guy's like wearing gi pants and he's throwing kicks. And this dude beats the shit out of Tony. But then Tony comes back with a Hail Mary comeback from behind victory. And Nick, was it not just the coolest shit in the I, world? Like, the dude just dismantles Tony the entire fight. And then out of nowhere, plop, fight's over. It, it, <laughs> it felt like a dive. For sure. It, it, it did, but it was it was good storytelling. The drama was like, oh man, Tony's getting fucked up. And then there's that one thing where he gets a couple punches in there and drops him. And I admit, I kind of marked out. The crowd is into it too, which is always big, but good stuff. All right, uh, try to blow through these. Uh, look up uh, Tony versus Kari. The dumbest shit. Tony comes out to Bad to the Bone by George Thurgood. And Kari comes out to the Star Wars scroll theme. <laughs> um, to give you an idea, this match ends when... Uh, Tony's opponent trips to the mat. He's on all fours. Tony wails back and punches the shit out of him in his face. I assumed it was going to be a point deduction or a DQ. Nah, Tony just wins the match for punching a dude on all fours. If you want to watch Tony get knocked the fuck out with a one-hitter quitter, watch uh, Tony versus Yasin Kingbo. And then uh, I guess we're kind of leading into Tony's politics here. Tony Halme versus Almaz Gizmiv. Tony walks out in a shirt on the front that says... TonyHallmay.net and on the back it reads HIV negative <laughs> I mean 
Jake, uh, you perked up on that. Uh, can I get a response? I mean, some states require you to have <laughs> HIV testing before you you fight yeah. or you wrestle. And then you always got some goofy looking fucking guy from the commission. Go, I need to see your actual physical license. And I go, I'm already... <laughs> I'm I'm licensed to you guys. I sent the paperwork in. It's good. You, you think I just don't have the actual piece of fucking cardboard you mailed me? Don't you have a database? Well, I mean, that's going to take some time for me to, to, to get it. Can you <laughs> hook me up to a Wi-Fi? Even though he's got a fucking phone clearly on his fucking belt loop, and you'd think somebody who's working for the fucking commission could just go right into the database and see if you're fucking licensed or not. No, he wants to see the actual piece of fucking cardboard <laughs> that mailed you in the fucking mail. So maybe, maybe, Fuck it, he's just trying to save fucking time, let people know, hey, I've already been blood tested, so I'm good to go. <laughs> it could be that. Yeah. I'll finish up with this. This is actually uh, random dirt pro wrestling, but I don't know where it's going to fit in. I told Nick, and I, he already watched a little bit of it, oh, yeah. Tony yeah. Holmey versus Boogie Commando. I can't stress enough, if you like token with the marijuana, I probably sound like I was 55 years old there, or having some drinks, sit down with your loved one or by yourself and watch Tony Hallmay versus Boogie Commando and get fucked up and enjoy this three-part series. It's probably about 18 minutes total, and I don't want to give it all away, but is you've seen backyard wrestling in America. This is backyard European redneck wrestling of the most trashy that I didn't think existed in other continents. This is the only thing I'm going to tell you about this. This is the tease. This is the opening to the match. Tony's opponent, Boogie Commando, is this military gimmick-looking bitch in, like, high-voltage gear with Daisy Dukes on top of that. And he makes his entrance for the match out of the back of a windowless van <laughs> while Jump by Van Halen plays him to the ring. I don't know what else to say, but he's in the ring for five minutes until Tony comes out. It gets worse from there. I'm not going to say anything else. Get high. Watch Tony versus Boogie Commando. Tony will get back into pro wrestling as Ludwig Borga for Catch Wrestling Association in late 95, where he'd feud with Rambo, who you may remember as Luke Poirier, a.k.a. Sniper, part of WWF's Truth Commission with the Jackal and Kurgan and all that shit. Uh, on December oh. 20th, Borga won Catch Wrestling's World Heavyweight title, his first and only singles title, by defeating Rambo at the 95 Euro Catch Festival. Borga held the title for just over a year, losing it back to Rambo at 96's Catch Wrestling Festival. And if you're wondering, Rambo looks like Mike Awesome mixed with Brutus the Barber Beefcake mixed with a centaur. <laughs> Aside from scripted, predetermined fighting and pro wrestling, Borga had an artistic side to him. He wrote books. He had a little bit of a music career, which you can find by YouTubing Tony Hom. I don't recommend it. They're good techno songs over him punching a bag and screaming into a mic. <laughs> and So basically like that Roddy Piper music video. <laughs> They song like I wanna be with you. Oh, yeah. Just remember that one. He like was punching and then like, just a little bit more. Doom, 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 oh. doom, doom. Well, I mean, he's still punching a bag. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, like Roddy gave his like kill to like an old man, and I don't know it's if like, he's a love song. It's like take Roddy Roddy Piper's music video there and mix the techno Viking. Okay, techno. Yeah, <laughs> techno Viking is who it, rem it reminded me of. Some of the names of, the, of Tony's music singles, if you want to look them up, are I Am Iron Man, The Viking, I Am Like This, and Sawed Off Clown, which means fuck off, and The Fatherless Son. Oh, Poor Tony. That was probably a ballad. <laughs> uh, Borga would also do some movies, appearing in such films as Lionheart, 
Fist of the North Star, which also had Vader in it, and Die Hard with a Vengeance. Hot take, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance is better than the original Die Hard. Yep, kill me. Dude, his, his scene in Die Hard with a Vengeance is actually pretty funny. It's when, uh, if anybody remembers, Samuel L. Jackson, they, uh, they get the briefcase with the bomb that's at the park that's near the fountain, and they figure out the water bottle uh, riddle, and then he takes it, and he turns in the bomb to some cops, or terrorists posing as cops, and Tony is the one who takes the briefcase and is like, oh, oh, and he tries to leave it for some kids, and it's actually a good little kind of stupid scene where these horrible terrorists show some humanity. Lionheart, he's a uh, soft focus in the background of the final fight, which is really good. Downloaded this one, I haven't seen it yet, but after you hear this, everyone will want to see it. Tony Holm is in this movie. I think it's a mid-90s direct-to-video action movie. It is called Whatever It Takes. The premise is, two Los Angeles cops go undercover to investigate the distribution of steroids to pro wrestlers and bodybuilders. The cast stars Fred Williamson, Don the Dragon Wilson, and Andrew fucking Dice Clay. <laughs> he did some movies with Cynthia Rothrock, uh, Martin Cove, who was the bad guy in The Karate Kid. Uh, he was also in a uh, Finnish sex comedy called Ponterosa from 2001. This is the IMDb plot description. A sleazy sex comedy about a blind man who wants to become a lifeguard, his friend with a tiny willy, and three beautiful models who all meet at the sloppy camping ground run by a homophobic manager, Maury, who is played by ex-WWF wrestler Tony Hallmay. The movies that he was in, I, I need to look up the ones that I haven't seen because they look like some fun shit. After conquering the world of sports and media, you really only have one place to go as a man with a Nazi tattoo, and that is politics, baby. Tony Holm would run for Finland's parliament holding office from 2003 to 2007. We're not going to sit here and pretend to be experts on Finnish politics, but to touch on it just a bit, Tony, who was totally cool with going to Japan and America to work, was a Finnish nationalist violently opposing immigration as part of the true Finn party. And this is the funniest goddamn thing I've ever heard. The party is financially liberal and socially conservative. That is the worst <laughs> fucking thing you could possibly be. Violently against immigration? Like, like, like violently? Like, like was he physically picking up immigrants and throwing them out the border? Or he, something? He, he could. I, I, mean, I read... I mean... <laughs> I, I, it's hard to do research on this because I don't speak fucking Finnish, but I read comments that... One time Tony said that true Finns should go into the streets and physically beat up immigrants. He said that <laughs> right. as a... That's fine. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. I just want a clarification. Jake, Jake got his answer pretty good. Got my answer. That's I, think, I think my uh, favorite political uh, tidbit on Tony was at one point when he was in office, he suggested sending all the convicted drug dealers to Russian jails instead of Finnish ones in order to save on costs. Now we'll get into the downfall of Tony. Uh, on July 4th, 2003, cops were sent to Tony's apartment after a domestic quarrel with his wife, which apparently led to Ludwig firing off what was soon to be discovered as an unlicensed handgun. To top it off, he was on prescription painkillers and his blood contained trace amounts of amphetamines. Yeah, Nick, but did you see the truth about the amphetamines? Um, somebody poured the amphetamines into his drink without him knowing. <laughs> And you want to know what else they found in his blood? Racism. <laughs> <laughs> not AIDS. <laughs> yeah, definitely not AIDS. But full of racism. Then during a police search of his House of Parliament office, they found steroids. 
the the coolest thing about all this is I saw his trial was broadcast live on that MTV yeah. channel. After his trial, he got a four-month suspended sentence, but continued to serve as a member of parliament. In early March 2006, Tony was involuntarily committed to a mental hospital, reportedly due to delirium caused by excessive alcohol use. Earlier in 06, he had been diagnosed with alcohol-related cirrhosis and acute pancreatitis. After spending most of 2006 on sick leave, he was put on disability, and that would be the end of his run in Parliament. In December 2009, Tony had told a newspaper that he was suffering from impairment of his short-term memory. I know there's master race. I just don't remember which. (laughs) (laughs) Am I good or bad? I can't tell if I'm Italian or not right now. In my country? Wait, shit. Which is my country? (laughs) Then things get really dark for Mr. Tony. On January 8th, 2010, two days after his 47th birthday, Tony shot himself, which seems like a weird way to celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, What are you you, going to do? I don't know. Maybe go out and blow my fucking brains out (laughs) on my birthday? (laughs) Oh, fuck me. All right. Well, uh, final thoughts on fucking Ludwig Borga. Man, <laughs> man, fucking, what a piece of shit! You know, like we we we've we've had some people on here before, and we try to find redemption with people. Um, let's your fucking Vader, um, Missy Hyde. Oh, she's not dead yet. Uh, like it's just one of those things where like he's a big, strong fucking dude. And all the doors just open up for you and you just come in and you just be a fucking asshole about it. You know, as a guy of like average size in athletics, I'm of a big guy compared to, you know, like non-athletic competition people. Like I'm about 200 pounds, just shy of about six foot. So I'm a decent sized guy and like, you know, I look at all those six foot four 250 pound guys like man if i had that it'd be so much i could do with it and he's just an example of somebody that had tons of opportunity and had the ability to put himself into power and politics and and put himself in situations to succeed and he was a fucking shitbag about it and sometimes life is full of that and him being so (laughs) self-centered uh, might have been the thing that actually put him in that position because yep. he was a nice individual he would have had a nice life we would have never known about him we definitely wanted on a podcast about him uh vince mcmahon wouldn't have jerked off to him so like there is some things missed out in this world i think he even has a hasbro figure if i'm not mistaken so like it's one of those things if he wasn't a fucking asshole he wouldn't have gotten into the, the position he even got into but also too he would have been a nice individual and maybe contributed a little bit to society because him famous He's one of the rare cases he contributed nothing. He's not even one of those people that, like, he was an asshole, but he invented the iPhone. He was an <laughs> asshole, and he, like, I don't, I haven't heard of redeeming quality from Ludwig Borga. Um, if there is anybody, holler at your boy, because I'd like to know. Apparently, judging by the YouTube comments, uh, everybody just kind of agrees about how I feel. <laughs> so I'm glad that we did such a fucking asshole, and uh, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have a, not to name drop or anything, but I was talking to X-Pac 
we were talking about problematic pro wrestlers. And I said, hey, what about Ludwig Borga? And his eyes just, like, bugged out of his head. And he was like, yeah, he wasn't a good dude. (laughs) (laughs) That makes you so uh, Yeah, he wasn't a good dude. (laughs) That's exactly how he said it. You can see just 100% honesty coming out of that mouth right there. Like, fuck, man. It was just a thing where he was like completely off guard. He was like, I wasn't expecting to talk about that Nazi asshole today. Like, um, yeah. I think that just finished Jake off, by the way. I, uh, I'm done. I gave everything of this podcast already today. I will say uh, he was ve- very dedicated since he ended it just like Hitler. And by that, I mean having the. <laughs> wow, that was good. By that, I mean having the U.S. government fake his suicide and give him safe refuge in Argentina in exchange for a new batch of Nazi scientists to run our space program. We already did that. We already did that. I don't know. Fucking Ivan Drago looking bitch. <laughs> um, here, I'm going I'm to be controversial. I thought his torture rack was very, very Shut good. Up. <laughs> It really was. It was better than uh, fucking Luger's, which he just fucking danced around like he had hemorrhoids. He really did. I mean, the only thing I could say, go back and watch his New Japan matches. He is like, if you see him from a distance, even close up, you think he's Brock. He's so Brock, it's weird. So you got to kind of think, what's Brock's real feelings on certain political (laughs) ideas? I don't know. My comments... Uh, for my final thoughts and my notes, read, well, fuck. <laughs> so I think that sums it up. Um, I would just like to read his book titles because his, his stuff just, it exemplifies him as a weird piece of shit human who just toiled away and wrote this weird shit. Uh, you could pick up The Testament, A Hard Day's Night, which I assume is his Beatles <laughs> tribute, um, The Viking Strength Guide, The Judgment Day, and God has mercy, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, motherfucker. You're an awful human being. You know what I'm saying? You lack empathy for other people. You're throwing immigrants across a fucking border wall, you fucking worthless piece of fucking space. And i just like to finish. I can't remember if we finished this, but Jim Ross buries the shit yeah. out of him. Even He even buried the shit out of him when he heard he died. He's like, oh, he died? <laughs> yeah, and like, and even Jim Ross had a little bit of a fucking thing for Bob Sweet Tan. Like, yeah, Bob Sweet Tan, he died. He was a he was a he had a career. Where Ludwig he Borga, was a person who existed. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much, he died. All right, <laughs> Ludwig Borga dead. <laughs> Good. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, as bad as it is, as a movie nut, uh, like a documentary on Ludwig Borga would be fucking it, it really fascinating. Would be, yeah. I hate to say that, but I mean, shitty people, horrible people make for fascinating subjects, which is why I'm so into serial killers, which who knows about Ludwig Borga. But that would be the only good contribution he's given it's to true. the fucking world. No, it's, it's one of those things like, hey, you see how that person acted? Do the opposite of that. That's the only way he contributes. It's like when I like listening to the Crime and Sports yeah. uh, podcast because I'm like, no matter how bummed out I am get. And how down on myself. I'm like, at least I didn't fuck up my life like these <laughs> yeah. guys did. It's and, so uh, true. Sometimes you need a story like Ludwig Bohr to realize, man, I didn't fuck up everything. Right? It's so 100% true. Because every fucking wrong of the ladder, this guy fu- fucked up everything. And any, and any situation he walked away from, no, no matter if it was WWF, UFC, boxing, probably even movies, politics, 
everything, uh, interpersonal relationships, obviously, with his wife, all this fucking shit, everybody walks away from dealing with a guy, man, what a fucking piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> like, there isn't anything this man hasn't touched where somebody's like, you know what? He was all right. None of that. He's like, man, what a fucking asshole. Get the fuck out. Get the fuck out of here, fucking Ludwig Borga. Oh, man. All right, I think that was our most interesting final thoughts yet. It's it's definitely our angriest. Uh, Ludwig Borga, there's the fucking door. That's why I wanted to cover him. I was like a fourth of the way through his Wikipedia. It was like, holy fucking shit. We got to do this. Yeah. All right. So uh, thank you for listening to this episode. And a big thank you to everyone donating to our Patreon over at patreon.com slash TimBillPod. Find us on the social medias at TimBillPod, TimBillPod.com, at Nicolessa, at JTrotter27, at Manning. Come talk to us. In Finland, gun shoot you. <laughs> I don't that might be too much, but fuck. it's not fucking Russia. All right. That's... My shoes cost more than your house. (laughs) Hey, this is Micah for Tin Bell Pod. And if you want to make all my lonely hours and my teenage years of sitting in my room watching tapes somehow mean something later in my life, uh, if you could donate to Patreon, it would mean a lot to me and 15-year-old me who dreamed of getting laid. Thank you.